Hey everyone, it's Nathan Hayes, IDOX Practice Finance Consultant for Focal Point, our podcast. And today I want to talk about a book that's been floating around in ODs on Facebook, um, just in, in the, the, uh, the ether of eye care of lately on the management side. And the book is Profit First. It's by Mike Malkiewicz, I believe is his name. Um, I'm probably butchering his name, but something like that. You can find it on Amazon. Just look at Profit First. Uh, interesting book. A lot of them talked about it lately, and I want to give you a, a quick take on it. A couple of uh, even members have asked me about it, and then uh, uh, give you some feedback on maybe some other books you would consider if you're looking for some help on cash flow and profitability and um, some of the principles in it and just give you uh, one man's take. So Profit First... Um, it is a, an odd combination of a Dave Ramsey-like budgeting and, and using, if you've ever been through a Dave Ramsey system, you know, one of the things he says is cut up your credit cards and actually like live life on cash and have envelopes um, that you put your budget in uh, for any, so your grocery envelope is your food budget, your clothes envelope is your clothing budget. Um, and the author recommends maybe having multiple bank accounts for that. Um, first off, I don't really recommend the book. Um, it's a difficult read. I honestly had trouble finishing it. Uh, there's a couple of interesting ideas in it, um, but I don't, I don't think it applies to many practice owners I work with. So a couple things that are good out of it. One, um, and this is worth saying, especially for smaller practices, for startup practices, um, you need to have a plan to make money off your business. And so the premise of the book is a lot of small business owners focus on revenues and forget about profitability. And, and they let their costs balloon in, in pursuit of growing their top line revenues, uh, what people spend on them, but forget about um, managing expenses such that they can take an income out of the business. Uh, it's important to hear me say this. I've said it before and it can't be said enough. Practices are valuable as a source of income, not for their equity value. Um, and I think some some small business owners, and, and probably less in eye care, but but there's some practice owners I've worked with that, that probably have this attitude as well. It's like, well, I'm going to make my money on the sale of my practice. And that's just, I mean, one, if your practice isn't profitable, it really doesn't have any value. So you need to manage to profit anyway. But two, even, even in a private equity moment, practices just aren't worth that much relative to the income they provide their owners. Um, this is not, we, we are not starting pharma companies. These are not tech companies where it doesn't matter uh, how much money your practice makes or earns for its owners or its owner. And you can just sell it to a big, uh, go to Wall Street with no profitability and get a big multiple, get a big sale price. You can go get bought up by a smaller um, or by a pharma company. Like it's just not what eye care practices are. So, um, it is critical that you take income out of the business. Beyond that, I think that there's this premise within it that says that, you know, we always think of, of revenues um, minus expenses equals profit. And really what um, his, his premise is that um, let's flip that and say that, you know, profit minus or profit plus expenses or revenues um, and budget for both. And I think 
you know, there may be some truth to that, but in reality, if you're a startup practice and you have no patients, what you have is expenses and no revenues and no profits. So there's a place for this kind of thinking, um, but, but there's some realities that have to be dealt with. So um, what are some things we need to factor in? I mean, one, if you, if you take that attitude and let's say that you, you have a profit budget, but there's not enough money for everything else. I mean, one of the implications is, well, you need to either cut your expenses or grow your revenues. And um, <laughs> if you've ever tried to do both, and most of you have done both of those things, one, in most eye care practices, and I've seen 3,000 P&Ls over, over my career, most of your practices don't have a lot of expenses to cut. A lot of the businesses being referenced in this book are more like marketing agencies where you could let your, just start hiring people up and not really think about that. Um, you know, you need better contracts, even growing your revenues. I mean, how are you gonna grow your revenues easily if I just said, hey, grow your revenues? If it was easy, everyone would do it. And practices struggle to grow their patient bases, to grow their revenues, to increase capture rates, to sell, and I guess I'm using the word sell, but, but have higher revenue per exam, to prescribe more and have patients consume more from the practice in each patient visit. Um, to prescribe more care, have the patients buy more care. I mean, selling multiple pairs is just prescribing multiple solutions to your patient's visual needs and have them agree to pay you for those solutions. So it's, it's is it true? Yeah. Is it a little trite? That's my opinion. Um, and I don't mean to be super negative, but I do want to, I do want to, suggest that many of the practice owners listening to this are larger practices for for whom this is really rudimentary and basic and hopefully i can spare you uh, i think i spent 17 bucks on the book and you know a couple hours reading it and trying to get through it um so who is it good for i, I will say this there's some owners i've worked with um for whom it's it's helpful i mean one if you're not making money off your practice uh probably not a bad read to really think about a process if you're not disciplined in terms of um, tracking where the money goes, a, a again, a, a strict budgeting, multiple envelope, multiple account type model. Um, and the other thing he says is that you need to make it hard to get to the money and spend it. And so he recommended having multiple bank accounts at multiple, um, multiple banks um, to make it hard to just spend money in your business. Yeah, you know, there's some truth to that. I, I'm gonna make some suggestions uh, further on, on, on what you should be doing. Um, on that front, but you know, if, if you struggle with a lot of um, self-discipline, if your if your staff has way too much access to spend money, um, and you just feel like the money in the checking account just goes places because it's there, then there's some merit to, to you know having an auto payment to another account and getting the money out of the practice. In fact, there's merit to getting money out of the practice. Period. So I, I'm not disagreeing with that premise. I think it's just it's overcomplicated, and and a lot of the the Dave Ramsey philosophy is, I mean, the thing you have to remember is Dave Ramsey's philosophy is designed for people who get into massive credit card debt or, and just have personal finances out of control. Um, in your business, I mean, one, you have protections where you can file for bankruptcy. I mean, you can do that personally too, but it, th those rules really don't apply as well. And, and not to optometry practices either, which are pretty defined. I think it's better written for, you know, some small service businesses. And that's not that optometry isn't that, um, but it is to say that, um, maybe not the best, the best view for an optometry practice it certainly adds a lot of complexity to your, your banking relationships. So what, what should you do? What, what are the takeaways? How does one plan for profiting your practice? 
first off, you know, let's let's say cold start through through growth phases. If if you start cold in your business, the most important expense you're going to be thinking about is your rent. It's the one thing that you're going to pay every month, no matter what, before you hire staff. You know, maybe your initial inventory buys. Well, that's going to be financing your practice loans. So, realistically, the only expense you really are committing to is your rent, maybe some software licenses, but those aren't. I mean, they're a lot, but they're not that much. So you're always going to have fixed expenses in your businesses that you, you, I mean, you can predict them well, and it is a mistake to take on too much space cost because it's just going to be a drag on profitability. So you need to have an idea of that and open as lean as you can. Um, and then as you grow, recognizing that you're going to have cost of goods tied to patient visits if you have any sort of optical contact lens practice, um, that's going to happen, and you're going to need to have a plan for managing your expenses, for managing your inventory, and especially have a good pricing plan. Look at your you know, revenue cycle management and getting paid by third party. I mean, when cost of goods are high, usually it's not an issue that like, I just need to go to my lab and get a better deal. No, that's really not the issue. Although if you want a better deal, that's the vendor I'd go to. Um, realistically, it's more on pricing strategy, both on professional fees and product pricing strategies, and then getting paid for what you do. Um, the other one that, that you, you have a little more control over or a fair amount of control over is, is your staffing and, and making sure that we're prudent in, um, in adding staff and not staffing up. The most important advice I can give for people. So once you get to a point where you're breaking even in your practice, where you have some profitability, managing your expenses is basically a function of this. If you're going to spend more money on something, you need to know that it's gonna generate additional revenue. So if you add a staff, you need to have a plan that by adding the staff, whoever it is, we're gonna be able to see more patients um, because I've added a tech and I can add three patients a day to my schedule or four or five. Um, it could be that we're going to increase our capture rates because patients are getting lost in optical or shorter uh, frame stylist or an optician. So we'll sell more glasses and the revenues will go up. It could be that um, we can keep the schedule more full because we have the right person doing it, or we're going to receive more because we've got a better biller in place. But there needs to be a plan that either we're going to increase our revenues, uh, our, our patient flow, we're going to be able to see more patients, we're going to generate more revenue per patient encounter because of better service, or we get them to optical faster um, because there's someone actually to help them pick out glasses when they get to the optical. Um, could be that we're going to improve our receivables because we're going to spend money on a better biller and and we're actually going to get paid for what we're doing. Usually not an issue, but worth thinking about. But there needs to be a plan in place. And we don't just spend money with no plan for that. And really, I'd say patient demand should drive all the decision making. If we're investing in equipment, um, you know, there, you need to look at, hey, what, is, what are my fees um, for each time I'm going to use this instrument, each picture I take or, or, or procedure I do? Um, how many patients do I think are going to do this? You know, patients times uh, fee for or you know, patients that are gonna use it times the fee, look at what your expected revenue is, look at the note of the lease payment, and it should break even from day one or be make, making money for you. So I think that, that it's difficult to cut costs, but it is not difficult to plan for additional expenditures and have a, have a plan on what's gonna happen. And look, your business owners, some things you do are not gonna work. Um, you take risk and it's why you make more than an employee would when things work. Um, but I, I think that there's there's something to the idea that you need to have a plan for making money and profit. And it's not, I'm going to make money when I sell my practice. It needs to be, I'm going to make money every step of the way. But recognizing that, that just, hey, growing revenues is hard. 
um, cutting costs is hard. And frankly, most practices would, would probably do better spending a little more money and investing in growth to attract more practices, to add new services, so they're more differentiated from their competition so they can generate more revenue per exam. Um, so that's on, on the budgeting side and the cost control side. I think that you just have to recognize that, that things need to have a return on the investment as you're spending money. And if, if from a cold start, you're gonna be lean, but at every step of the way, if you're gonna take on more expenses, and you should, by the way, to grow your practice, but I would say that let your patient demand and your potential for more patients, your potential for more revenue for exam, let that dictate the decision-making. And again, this is very much a revenues, less expenses thing, but it recognizes that if we're gonna add new expenses, we need to have a revenue plan um, for what those new investments in the practice are gonna drive. The other thing that, that I, I struggle with in, the, in this is like in cash flow. So when I see pra practices with cash flow issues, and, and probably many more practices have cash flow issues than profitability issues. Um, what causes tight cash flow? Uh, a lot of low profitability can will can and will cause low cash flow. So if you're a small practice, you know low revenue, low net practice, you're just going to have cash flow issues because owners need. I mean, you got to make money. You got you got bills to pay personally. You got family um, expenses, put food on the table. So. Yes, having profitability is low is going to be a crunch on cash flow. But once you're established, I mean, look, I work with 2.55 million dollar practices that have cash flow issues. So what's the issue then? Uh, and sometimes it is a profitability issues, but sometimes, especially in fast growing practices, the issue might be, um, you know, we didn't plan for taxes and our tax bill went up. Um, there's a, there's a book I will recommend and a link to it. It's called Simple Numbers. Um, straight talk, big profits. Um, but, but the author talks about, it's a CPA named Greg Crabtree. The author talks about um, four forces of cash flow. So before the owner gets paid out of a business, who gets paid first? Number one, the government gets paid. Please pay your taxes. Um, practices that don't pay their taxes are in the most stressful debt crunch or crash crunch possible. So pay your taxes. Second people we pay back are, um, is the bank. So if you've borrowed money to start your practice, to get a new building, to, to buy an instrument, um, to do a remodel, the bank gets paid second. So government gets paid first, pay your taxes, bank gets paid second. Third thing that gets paid is actually the practice gets paid in the form of cash reserves. So as a practice grows, it needs more operating reserves to fund its activities, to make sure you can make payroll, to pay your distributor bills. Those tend to be the big ones people refer to. Um, and, and, you know, what's a reasonable cash flow number for a practice? Um, a conservative number would be one month's expected expenses. So, um, take your revenues less what the owners take out or expected to take out a year and divide that number by 12 annually or on a monthly basis. Um, but, but one month's expected expenses. So, and that's for associates, for staff, for cost of goods, for rent, et cetera. Um, is a conservative number. You probably need less than that. And you can always just look at what are the swings in my bank account every month and assess what you need based on that. Um, but cash reserves get paid um, third. And, and by the way, if you get the book um, by Greg Crabtree, uh, he's going to say two months expected expenses. For an optometry practice, that's too conservative. He's thinking more manufacturing where you have a lot of work in product and uh, inventory um, relative to your, your revenues. Um, and then finally, the owner gets paid. And I want to say this for profit first. 
you do need to pay yourselves. And, and many of you um, should be, uh, need to be taking money out of the practice more. Do not park. Um, I just saw a balance sheet with like $400,000 in the practice checking account on a $2 million practice. No, 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 no. Get the money out of the practice because a couple reasons. I mean, one, you, if you're an S corp, you've already been taxed on it. So there's no reason to leave it there. Um, two, if you get sued, which is rare, but if you get sued, money in your corporation is fair game. But in most states, your LLC will protect you if you get the money out. So take it out of the practice. Um, three, if um, money that stays in the practice, just oftentimes it gets spent. And so there is some wisdom to saying, like, get the money out. Put it somewhere else so it's not going to get spent. Build your wealth personally outside the practice. Get it out of the practice. So there, there's some real truth to that. Um, but, but I think it's, it's worth bearing in mind that, that we do need to focus on growing our revenues. We do need to be prudent in our expenditures and manage our budgets. Um, we need to be disciplined, but I don't, I don't know that sort of thinking that we're going to budget for profits first. And, and especially if you're in a partnership and, and, and even if you're a sole, a single solo owner practice, many practices have tight cash flow because the owner is just taking too much money out. Um, on a monthly basis, and and you know that that can trigger taxable events. If you take too much money out of your practice relative to its actual profitability, revenues less expenses, um, the IRS will treat that as if you sold part of the practice. And you'll have, many of you have had to put shareholder loans or, or loans to shareholder on your on your balance sheets and pay back the practice for taking too much money out. So, you know, I think it's it's a nice notion, but there's some realities of owning a business that you can't just pay yourself profits regardless of the revenues and expenses. Um, now, one of the things Greg Crabtree recommends and I do as well is even in a cold start situation, I come back to that because that's really, that's really where a lot of the issues at Profit First is going to deal with. You should on your financial statements, and, and they have a strange uh, objection to gap accounting, general accepted accounting principles. I mean, one, y'all, um, y'all don't really have to deal with that. Um, that's, those principles are more for publicly traded companies and, and finances for small business are pretty simple. But, you know, there's a reason there's a P&L. There's a reason there's a balance sheet. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. If you can finish optometry school, you can figure out how to read your financial statements out of QuickBooks. So I, I don't take the premise that gap accounting is fundamentally flawed. Um, it is because it just, most of the gap stuff that, that's referred to is applied to publicly traded companies, which is, is super complex. Um, your practices are almost cash basis businesses. Your financial statements are fine. Um, they could be better organized. You should learn to read your cash flow statement, which is something that very few of you do, I think. Um, but your financial statements are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, but do book a fair wage, even in a cold start situation, put on your financial statements a fair wage. Put You can, Book in your financial statements a $60,000 salary for a three-day-a-week new practice startup, even if you're not making money. And what will happen in your financial statements? Your P&L is going to show a loss. Um, your balance sheet is going to show negative equity. But what will happen over time? That's a true reflection of the costs and expenses of your business. Your practice is losing money at first if you don't have any revenues. Fine. It's losing money. That's true. That's why you took out a loan and you, you have operating reserves to grow and you have outside income from another job. Um, but as the practice grows and you have retained earnings 
over time, you'll show positive equity and you'll be able to um, reflect that in your financial statements. So um, th that's another suggestion that you know, owners too, I mean, y'all of, of established practices, you should book a fair market wage on, on your financial statements, even if it means you show a loss or even if it means the, the, the so-called net goes down on the business net, especially if you're getting close to transitioning, I would do it, especially if you're thinking private equity might be an exit. Like it's just going to be easier for you to have a sense of what your EBITDA is, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization, um, if you're doing that. So um, I'm, I'm going to wrap it there. would love to talk to you all more about it if you have questions. I, I think for, I will say this, if you're a million dollar plus in revenues, unless you really struggle with the disciplines of managing your expenses and, um, and just taking money out of the practice, I'm not sure this is the right path for you. Um, and, and most of y'all, if you're making $300,000 plus a year, have a decently well-managed practice, this is not the book for you. Um, y'all need to be thinking about wealth building, um, with the money you're taking out of the practice, how to invest that prudently to preserve its value, to grow its value, insurance products to de-risk your families, good financial reporting. Um, that That's more what you need to be focused on than um, um, than just figuring out how to take money out. But do be in the discipline of taking money out. Do be in the discipline of booking a fair, um, a fair wage for yourself. And as always, if you have questions, um, reach out to me. And uh, this has been the Focal Point Podcast, and thanks so much for joining me.